0: Hello all, this is Reggie Doakes and welcome to episode 5 of God Said Give Them Drum Machines Behind the Scenes podcast. Happy New Year to you all. Appreciate you all staying with us on this journey. And, uh, you know, this is Black History Month, February, and uh, this edition is going to be very special. I also like to uh, welcome my team, uh, Jennifer and Dave and Christian. We got a very special information for you uh, team say hello please
1: let's not forget we got
2: our good friend Eric Jackson in the house too Oh,
0: that's right that's right Eric Jackson Eric Jackson What's happening brother. welcome welcome
2: thanks Eric for joining us Eric thanks. along with David and Christian and Reggie uh, is very much part of the team we're so happy to have him on this call with us today and we're so thrilled to have him work with us over the years with this project. And he's definitely been able to be the, be the man on the streets, on the ground in Detroit for us when the rest of us live elsewhere. So um, thank you, Eric. Thank you. Um, your contributions do not go unnoticed and um, we're happy to have you here today.
3: Good to be appreciated. Thank you very much.
0: So, guys, Zena Smith, quite frankly, is a Detroit icon. She has been one who has contributed to the culture, the, the fashion culture, the music culture of, of Detroit. Um, we talked about a woman who has had a business for 30 years called Spectacles in downtown Detroit. And she has touched so many lives, uh, whether they be artists in fashion or music. You know, Zena had several nights, uh, one of which I can remember, uh, Mahogany. Uh, she also had the downstairs pub uh, in Detroit, which was a very, very popular uh, hot spot. You know, Zayna even touched my life personally. Um, you know, she had a lot to do with uh, my artistry coming up in the game. Um, she clothed me in terms of uh, photo shoots, um, she did marketing for me and promotions. We even uh, had a night together. So I'm very grateful to, to, to Zayna. She has not only touched my life, but like I said, many others. Amp Fiddler, uh, Kenny Dixon, Theo Parrish. When Zena had the downstairs pub, when she was doing that, uh, her DJ was uh, Ken Collier, he was the one that uh, was the resident and set the vibe and, and, and tone uh, for this place. He is to us in Detroit what Frankie Knuckles was or is to Chicago. That's that's the love and respect that we had or have for Ken Collier. He, he, he was that guy. People to this day still talk about how Ken Coyer really influenced uh, the dance scene uh, in Detroit. So let me stop talking. We have a great mix of DJ Ken Coyer and uh, want you to check it out.
2: So today, like Reggie said, we are putting together um, features for Black History Month and we thought it was very important to finally highlight a woman considering our whole film is, like Christian says, a wiener fest And we get questions all the time as to why and where all the women are all the time. And it's very hard in this genre, in this music industry, to make a film (laughs) with uh, the female voice. Uh, So there are women. There have been women all along the way. They just weren't artists per se. Uh, Today, we like to feature and highlight a woman by the name of Zaina Smith, who's been part of the Detroit music and dance scene for, I don't know, 40 years. And she's also been part of the Black business uh, community in Detroit for a long time. And we'd like to talk more about her and her contributions here today. And now I'm gonna play a clip from an interview that we did some years ago with Zaina in downtown Detroit.
4: Well, what happened um, in the '80s? We um, a lot of the party promoters were giving parties in downtown Detroit at places like P- Piper's Alley, which is um, on Bagley, My Fair Lady, which was on Lafayette. Um, back then, guys were getting together and they were getting nightclubs. You know, you'd have three guys that would get a nightclub. Well, My Fair Lady was real popular, and we had uh, three owners there, and when they broke up, each one of them went and got their own club. Well, JB's uh, Julius Bender it was JB. So he opened up JB's, which was in downtown Detroit, um, just blocks from um, the downstairs pub, and then you had Studio 54. So you had different party groups that would give parties in different locations. One way would be at Uh, JB's uh, Take 3 would be at the downstairs pub Dave Humphreys would be at Studio 54 Uh, Cosmopolitan would be at uh, the Gaslight say for example so um, when every now and then you would have the club owner would double book your night or uh, make it where you know you had to move the party and uh, on one particular weekend uh, when we had to move the party from the downstairs pub we moved it to JB's it was uh, and we called it taboo where red and everybody came to the party in read. Um, Ken Collier was our DJ and uh, right now JB's is uh, known as Cliff Bells and it used to be known as Cliff Bells back in the 30s in the 1930s so if you went through our photographs you would see that we were actually in that uh, historic building that the Purple Gang used to hang out in. Um, back in the 30s. So uh, JB's became uh, a hot spot for different party promoters to go to. It was a go-to place, and it had a lot of history and, uh, you know, great dark. It was a very dark, drab place, but it had that wonderful dance floor and uh, the downstairs, too, that you could um, have uh, your event. It could be up and down. What happened is, um, the parties were very popular, and so we wanted to, instead of just passing out a flyer, we wanted to do a little newsletter. So we came up with what we call Click It. And in this newsletter, we would go around and report on the different parties. Uh, It it was a little popular, but I, I guess people didn't really like to talk about their parties if they weren't successful. But in here we would have Ken Collier's playlists, um, pictures from the downstairs pub. We had a uh, party English, different things that would um, like a plugger was a flyer with a discount. You know, different things that we would say, like don't meant your head or your mind, you know. So we would um, t- use this to kind of like uh, uh, define what we were doing in the nightlife scene. Heaven was located at Seven Mile in Woodward, where the church is being built right now. Yes, yeah. right across from Palmer Park. Right. And it was a late night spot. Uh, but prior to Heaven, we had places like Luomo. Right. Luomo, which was also on uh, Seven Mile, but East Seven Mile. And these were um, Mike Neal put together that spot. And um, I think it was an abandoned warehouse. And that was our first little taste of, you know, um, warehouse parties for our young, urban, black children.
2: You guys, remember being young? Did any of that resonate with you?
3: Zaina was was at the forefront. She's kind of, you know, the person who started the the uh like the the theme, you know, like the white parties, the red, you know, she spoke about everybody having uh wearing red to the taboo party. She's like the first person to start those theme parties back in the day. So she's, you know, now you got Puffy doing white parties, that stuff is started by her, you know. She got like a, a long legacy in party promotion.
0: I tell you, she started uh um giving those names, man, and just uh, you know, all these uh great memories started coming back, man. Yeah. <laughs> Lumos. The
3: Lumos, to, yeah.
0: Right. Then I got to thinking about cheeks and right uh um uh, oh my god. Uh, um yeah, uh, th- there was the club uh, Taboo that was downtown uh, off the railroad tracks. Uh, warehouse. Did I say that already? Um,
3: yeah, the Warehouse. The U- UBQs.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm. Man, man, man. Great memories, man. Great memories, great parties. You know, and, 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 I'm, I'm so grateful that we are doing this uh, for Zayna. You know, we always talk about um, you know, our mantra has been uh since last year really to give people their flowers you know now while they're here man and um you know this is long overdue i know zayna has in my opinion has always been one of those figures who um you know pretty much likes she likes to be low-key but uh um you know this is this is well deserved this kind of attention man because uh like you said brother You know, she has contributed so much uh, to the scene, the dance scene, um, you know, of Detroit. I was sharing with everybody uh, the last time we met that, um, you know, Zaina also touched a lot of artists and, you know, both fashion and music, uh, especially music. Uh, Myself included in that, you know, taking pictures, promoting people. Um, you know, doing parties, you know, we even had a a night that we would do together once a month. Um, You know, she's done a lot for people. And, um, you know, this is just a really good thing, just letting the world know, you know, what uh, this sister Zaina, who um, has been in business uh, for 30 plus years, I think she said. You know, and and that's a long time to be an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. and to be in business and to be in Detroit. You know, it's been a lot of folks that have come and gone around her. You know, I I think of um, places like Lewis the Hatter and, um, you know, which was there for centuries. You know what I mean? (laughs) And uh, uh, I, some of the other places uh, don't come to mind at this point. But, you know, a lot of businesses, man, have come and gone. And she has remained steadfast and, 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 and stable, um, you know, over these past 30 years as an entrepreneur. I remember she was telling me that, and I didn't even know this, but prior to Spectacles, she had a spot called uh, Zaina's Place. Uh, and she yeah. <laughs> said that was like a 2,000 square foot um, building that she was uh, operating out of. Yeah. I think I think she told me she had a couple businesses before.
3: Yeah. Z- Zaina's place yeah. was over on the, on the on the west side in the old Spiegel's building. Yeah. Okay, yeah, seven miles away. Mile oh God, that Spiegel's was building yeah, oh my around goodness.
5: the corner from my house. Yeah. So i, yeah. I was hood. going yeah. there. You're right. Yeah. You know, that was you know again she was ahead of her time in terms of style she mm-hmm. and, you know she yeah. was making sure that she was bringing brands that were not sold in detroit mm. you know yeah. bringing in you know for you know spikes label 40 acres in a mule bringing mm-hmm. you know breaking yeah. brands like you know yeah. made you know detroit versus everybody you know right. more recently right so, maurice, was a uh,
0: nice maurice malone
5: oh right. of course oh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, Maurice, shout out to Maurice, you know, Williamsburg Garment Company. He's still doing it here in New York. So, you know.
2: So yeah. for those of you who aren't really familiar with Zena or her store Spectacles in Detroit, it is located downtown. It's on 230 East Grand River Avenue, Detroit, um, downtown. It's a clothing store and it has a lot of, I would say, urban wear, right? Mm-hmm. Would you say? Mm-hmm. Lots of T-shirts, sweatshirts for the urban community and has been there since the mid eighties, right? Or yeah. have had she's had the store spectacles since the 80s.
5: Yeah, yeah. She sold she sells, you know, accessories, she sells records, she breaks a lot of artists. And you know, you yeah. can go in there and find rare things every once in a while. You know, it's not as consistent. You know, she picks and chooses. She curates, you know, she's yeah, a curator. Yeah. And, yeah, and her exactly. space is a gathering place, you know, where yeah. You know, like minded people go to find out what's hot. She's a tastemaker.
3: Yeah. You're liable to see any number of DJs, you know, world renowned DJs in her place, you know, any given time. So it's pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Um, I know she, when we did that interview with Zainab, she was talking about how um, the layout of the downstairs pub and the um, location to a place called uh, L'Esprit, which was owned by um, one of the Fords. I think he had this club for his his girlfriend at the time that was up above the downstairs pub. So you had that kind of um, the um, uh, socioeconomic meshing that was taking place. People coming, they would hear that music with uh, Ken Collier you know, banging, you know, because he would put together a sound system um, and then he introduced um, Daryl Shannon and uh, Delano Smith, you know, when they were in in their infancy. So, you know, you had folks, you know, that were very, you know, um, affluent being able to hear this great music. You know, I'm sure they were, they were drawn to hearing this great music downstairs after they're having a nice meal and cocktails and you know, you got this um, you know, really cool scene happening downstairs. So that was I know that was pretty, pretty, pretty great for Zena. You know, it's pretty great.
2: I have a question. She so laid out the uh, you know, laid out the So was it I know it's you know, it's like normal to see a female promoter nowadays, but back in the day, um during this, you know all this research that we've done for this film and all the interviews that we've done with like Todd and all the, all these other males, men that have really been the ones to, you know, organize and throw these parties and all that. How, how different or exciting was it to see a woman do this work as well?
3: Yeah. Well, like I said, she was, she was the only one at the time really mm-hmm. in that particular genre that was putting together um, parties l- like that. But what she was coming with was, you know, uh, with, with Ken Collier, he did the, the, uh, a fantastic light show, but with Ken, he was like a, um, a sound engineer. You know, he would build um, a sound system that was, you know, unparalleled. You know, even, you know, if you go look at the places where he built sound systems um, all the way to um, heaven, you know, Club Heaven um was just, you know, I mean, it was you're if you're a person that's into sound technology, he was he was he just took it to another level, you so, know, he, and getting was, into. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, I was just going to ask before you go any further, that sound system, weren't, weren't they trying to. Do like a a a, a tour, like a travel, like tour. Yeah, that
3: that sounds. Yeah, do a tour or put it in the museum. It should be right. You know, um, like I said, because he was really ahead of his time Mm. and sound, and you had like a lot of people that would that would you know uh, copy it or try to emulate that. Right. You know, he was like, um, I think one of the first guys who was he was putting the uh, subwoofers like in the in the, the floor. You know, I mean, just wow. the way he would, you know, build the sound systems in clubs was just, he was just, you know, mm-hmm. ahead of his time, you know. Wow.
1: Yeah. And I want to jump in there
3: because when you talk about those sound
1: systems, on some level, we kind of forget uh, Russ from Audio Light and really what Audio Light really brought to the whole I guess the whole scene because we were renting equipment from them. So, this sound system that can help build really was uh, coming from Russ. Right. You know, Russ is one. Of and actually, early on, I want to say maybe five years ago, I reached out to Russ, you know, just on a phone call trying to connect with him. And, uh, you know, I just remember. Just how uh, we, you talked about the speakers putting the subs in the floor and stuff, but just how for years people Mm -hmm. talked about how um, that sound system really made you feel, and how Mm -hmm. Ken's earlier sound systems really kind of, uh, as Zayna puts it, uh, all the, it was for music lovers. Mm -hmm. And um, I really believe that uh, in terms of Ken's work in terms of audio then a big part of that was Russ's expertise in audio lights equipment that was helping facilitate Ken's you know, his thoughts on what the sound system should be not no, well, for those folks that And we
0: also
3: had Duncan Sound also at the time back then too Duncan Sound yeah but that that
1: Duncan Sound and what Ken Kyler and them were doing they were two different sides of yeah. the wall yeah
0: Christian, now you know for those folks that don't know who Russ is, you know,
1: bro well, Russ. As I understand it, because I I I met him later on, but Russ was an audio. It was an audiophile, and he had a store where you could go and rent equipment, and uh, he fixed equipment. So he was just one of those uh, sound uh, experts that were left over from the Motown era, you know, they had insight into that earlier part of Detroit's musical legacy. And when we had, I guess, I want to say the barren years where Motown left, funk is still there, but the DJs are growing. I think Russ's uh, significance, because I I believe his business was in Redford.
0: okay,
1: uh, And uh, his significance in terms of, Giving uh, DJ systems that they would put into to these places, or augment systems because let's say Todd and them they had a system, but you had to go to somebody else who had the big Sherwin Vegas, or wow. you know, which were yeah. which back then were those to have Sherwin Vegas at your gig that was yeah. like a big deal, yeah, and so uh, premier, uh, you premier, know, yeah. premier sound. So right. again, I liken Rust In his legacy to helping a lot of these early DJs get the proper sound system necessary to blow these clubs out, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: So I have a question. So Zaina has been, this is for the director. Zaina has been on and off or in and out of our film since the beginning. I thought in the beginning it was very refreshing, like I was saying before, after hearing and seeing so many men um you know contribute and be a part of this film. It was really refreshing to finally see a woman uh who was part of the scene tell her story and her contributions too. So what is so how you know what does what does somebody like Zaina mean to this story, Christian, as uh as a as a cultivator of the scene and culture and party promoter, what does to you, in your own words, what does she mean to the story? Why has she been in and out of the film?
1: I mean, that's a good question. I mean, it's like, when you're trying to tell this story about this history, um, there's so many voices and characters that play a role, people that played a role. So as you're trying to tell this story in 90 minutes. You know, man, you always, that's the hardest part of this. That's, you know, for people who ask, and I'll get to Zayn in a second, but a lot of people ask, like, why has this taken so long? Like, are you uh, over kind of trying to perfect it and stuff like that? And it's really, dude, it's so many voices and it's so many voices that are important. You know, just over time, I've had to always, like Zayna's voice brings in my head. Like, I don't even have to, uh, I don't have to call Zayna or whatever. I can just conjure up Zena in my mind and, uh, I can hear this interview, you know, I hear what she says, uh. Sometimes I go back and listen to it, but you know, the downstairs pub came in and out of the story. And that's how Zayna fits in here for me. So just over time, the downstairs pub and how Ken, Ken's origin story and how that has, you know, how we've kind of played around with that. Um, it's just necessary now in order for it to be chronologically correct in terms of how this music has spread across the world that we hold on to what happened at the downstairs pub because a lot of people that came out of the downstairs pub uh, are important inside of this music today. So, uh, you know, just going back and forth and just trying to find the right story made it to where, Zayna is always on the bleeding edge of that. And so just the fact that she didn't DJ, the fact that she didn't make a record, the fact, you know, those facts make it like, well, damn, how can I keep her in the film? But the fact that this downstairs pub happened and where it happened within the timeline of Detroit techno, it makes it to where her impact on this music is unquestionable. Her relationships with Jeff Mills, her relationships with Blake Baxter, her relationships with all the DJs in the city is something that, you know, I'm very well well aware of. And I just try to make sure that, um, you know, I uh, represent her in the scene as best I can. So, you know, that's why she falls in and out.
2: I, th- I think it's also important to mention that, you know, it wasn't just, you know, her Past contributions to why she's important to the scene today. I think also to correct me if I'm wrong, but she's really a historian as well. Correct?
1: No, yeah. without question. Without question. Yes, Eric, you might want to follow up on that. You know?
3: Oh yeah, absolutely. You would have to definitely say that Xana um, was the catalyst to uh, the the techno situation because. Um, she, she was an influencer. She influenced, um, Juan Atkins, you know, he speaks of the, you know, going to the downstairs pub, getting his mind blown. And, um, you know, Juan was producing music. He didn't so much want to be a a DJ starting out, you know, but going to the downstairs pub, seeing what was going on, um, and I think uh, Derek dragged him to the, you know, to the pub. It was like, uh, you know, you got to come check this out. Took him down there. I mean, they were both um, influenced by what was going on at the downstairs pub. You know, it made them, you know, want to be DJs. You know, it, it was it was so there. She was, in essence, a catalyst to them wanting to, you know, be DJ and uh, kind of uh, laying out how to throw parties. And, you know, just it just it was, like I said, she was the best I can say it is just she was just a catalyst for what happened.
2: Does anybody has does anybody have any like real life downstairs pub memories? Anybody here?
0: Well, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. I, you, I <laughs> For those folks that don't know that are listening or that are listening to this, you know, I- explain the vibe uh, of, of of downstairs pub. You know, for me. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was, you know, you, you, you went down these steps, uh, these winding steps, uh, it, it was always dark. I think at, at one point, the only light that was on was, was like, uh, uh, behind the DJ booth. Do I, do I have the, the, the dance floor was kind of small. Do I, do I have it right? y'all?
5: <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I remember going in there because as a kid underage, I could sneak in there oh. and it was dark, so I could like dip in, dip off to the side <laughs> quick, and they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't check me, you know, so I remember that a lot, you know, we would, that's yeah. a place we could get into, and we could hear really, really deep beats, and we could really, um, you know, get exposure to the scene, and it shaped a lot of us, you know, as youngsters, because, you know, we could, we could and, sneak and, in. And, and,
0: and I yeah. think the DJ booth, yes. or the DJ era, yeah, it was was floor level is that right and 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 you right you were almost like yep. looking at the djs through like a a, 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 a cut out uh like hole in the wall if you will uh very small area uh if i'm not mistaken but the the vibe the energy
5: was just uh was just was incredible <laughs> And the DJ was a star in spaces like that where the DJ's on the floor. The DJ's the star. And so people are able to see it and it impacts them because they see what the DJ's doing. Whereas like Cheeks had it up, the DJ was up a little bit and some of the other clubs, they had the DJ up off the floor so you couldn't really see what was going down. So I think that is a huge catalyst to uh, people wanting to become DJs. Mm. Yeah,
3: absolutely. I know Alan, Alan Esther. Uh, mentioned how he would go into the bathroom and get in, in the stall and, and stand up on the toilet and just you know get in the stall and wait you know <laughs> cuz i guess before it was you know a, a restaurant what have you or a bar he would go in there get go into a stall get in uh, on top of the toilet <laughs> close the door and wait until you know the the night turned over and then come out you know okay, okay. that was pretty uh, hilarious oh that's awesome
5: <laughs> yeah, we all had our methods of getting in <laughs> right, right you know yeah wow. i love
1: it i love it
5: but you know i mean i i think that again being able to see the dj helped yeah. and it allowed people to experience the technology You know, as I love what um, what Christian was saying in terms of people who were sound technicians and who impacted us with the speakers, Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. you had the the people that came later. You know, the Duncan Sounds, and then the you know Deep Space and Direct Drive where the technology became a part of DJing.
3: And those
5: are the things that led to people using drum machines and people getting into drum machines and kind of closed the loop on the technology that that became um, what was used to create Detroit techno.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Because it was like the way it progressed, it was like the Duncan sound, um, you had um, a group called Laserdisc, And that group, Laserdisc, I guess some of the guys who started Laserdisc or that were in Laserdisc left and formed Direct Drive. And Direct Drive kind of just took off into the stratosphere. (laughs) Mm. And they ruled for for a good minute. And then, you know, Deep Space came along, you know, and uh, incorporated the drum machines and, you know, took it to another level. But, uh, yeah, Direct Drive had a good good long run, you know, good long run.
0: No, no disrespect to uh, uh, Deep Space, man, but Direct Drive had a huge impact on me coming up as a youth. Uh, and oh,
3: yeah, DJ. absolutely. I I mean, they were yeah. it. I, I, I uh, yeah, remember absolutely. Steve. I remember Direct the, the, Drive were the, were, were the Detroit Pistons right, to right. The, the, the Chicago Bulls for them, you know? Exactly. They, they, they pushed exactly. they, they Deep Space to be what they were. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So what and they, they became,
5: they, became. You know, I, I remember going away to college, and mm-hmm. Deep Space would spin at TSU, and I had from Alabama. Ha- I would drive up there because Deep Space <laughs> was within, you know, three hours of where I was. Right, like wow. they would right, tour yeah. and hit Amazing. HBCUs, and yep. you know they had a nationwide appeal, and they would yeah. like, pack the spaces in right. yeah. in T- Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I just,
0: I just remember those jackets, man. I just remember those
5: jackets,
0: <laughs> you know? I just remember those jackets, man, and just looking at it like, damn, I wish I could wear
5: one of those right now. They they were like
0: guys. Yeah, the best, right. Man. They were. You know? Yeah, man. They,
5: yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. hey, think about it. That's a full circle. You know, branding. The right. party right. clubs that branded themselves like brats, you know, with the with the blue jean, uh, you know, Chabatino. Which one had the blue jean jacket with the cursive? I think brats, that was brats and yeah.
0: commodores.
5: Yeah, yeah. Denim
0: jackets <laughs> with stitch and snobs had yeah. stitch jackets. I mean, had the denim jackets with the stitch lettering of their clubs on the back. Yes. Oh, yeah.
3: Yes, yes. it had the silky, right, right, <laughs> right, the satin, right. 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 And, <laughs> and, and yes, remember the, the, the hardware and Letterman <laughs> jacket.
5: Yeah, yeah, the hardware yeah. Letterman jacket with the white yeah, sleeves yeah. and the Charlie Brown yeah. on the back. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So branding is important. And Zayna, people like Zayna helped us form our style right, and right. and helped with this whole thing. So we can't, you know, ignore tastemakers and Ooh. how they styled us and DJs and, and made that part of the scene. Right. Since we're talking about that hardware jacket
1: with the Charlie Brown shit because that was... That was epic. That was that my was neighbor, my neighbor James Ship, and, and Hardware and um, Hardware was kind of like, how do you say it? Like they just came out of nowhere and kind of had a couple gigs, but the name Hardware just lives on forever. And that's James Ship. That's Steve Dunbar as well. <laughs> yeah, bro. That was uh, their their marketing. They took it to the next level. They actually taking it to the Letterman jacket, you know, the little silky uh, or the little satin jacket that the uh, Direct Drive and Gables had was cool. They came with the Letterman jacket. It was a different day.
5: Yeah, right. you know, that was part of it. We were entrepreneurs and we were branding. The party clubs were entrepreneurs and they understood branding, they understood marketing, the flyers, the collections that we have, me and Eric, you know, all of us have the flyer archives because Ooh, they were that epic in terms it. of their design. Oh, my Your God. hardware was giving you Ziggy, you know, and, right. and would change all the text. And, you know, right. the the, the, char- the cartoon characters that resonated with us as kids. Mm-hmm. Look, <laughs> that was network. That was yeah,
1: Network. Greg okay, network. Yes, yes. Dickie, you know? Yes. Hardware with Charlie Brown.
5: <laughs> yes, yes, yes.
2: Boy, well, right. I have a question. Since I'm a little bit younger than everybody, yes. I don't remember the Downstairs Club. I do remember Spectacles. I, I remember the Music Institute, of course. Uh-huh. But all that other stuff that you guys are talking about, Bratz and Shabbatino, yes. that's all just like stuff I had heard about you Know for my right. older friends,
3: and yeah. those were kids. These were kids doing this. what these weren't adults, right? These were kids.
5: That's the key. That's the key because a lot of people Black went kids. on to become entrepreneurs yeah. like yeah. Zayna, right? You know,
1: and no, right. actually, oh, let's let's step back. Zayna
3: was not a kid, Zayna yeah, was absolutely, a kid. she was no, no,
5: yeah,
1: she
3: was the club. Those little clubs I, were, you know, those. I know, kids.
1: I know, yeah. but I just want to clarify, bro. Zayna and them were grown.
5: They were grown. Yeah, Zayna, but, yeah. yeah, exactly. And the kids they learned were, from them. They're That's they're the key. Yeah. right. Yeah, the kids learned from them. These promoters right they taught the younger generation and they right. took it and blew it up and added their own branding, their own style. And, you know, so again, we followed the style of Xana is really what I'm trying to say. We right. were following right. these people, you know, who were styling us and showing us what style was.
3: Right.
2: So because tell me. all
3: that Chabatino and all that stuff, that was stuff, that stuff was marketed to high school students. Yeah. You know,
2: but tell me what you know. Just tell me why this stuff is so important to this story. Why is the teen party scene? Why is the clothes? Why is Chabatino? Like, tell me for somebody that doesn't really know about these these names and Direct Drive and, you know, what? Why is this stuff important to our story, Christian or Dave?
5: Yeah, I mean, I think that the key is. We all know that these party clubs were embracing technology. They were incubators for DJs. They were incubators for art. They were what made the techno artists emerge. They they molded what an artist was. While they were a group, they they blew up various artists like Juan and you know all of these guys that came out of uh, DJ crews. Also, you know. Became uh, learned how to market themselves through these groups. You know, Eric, what do you, what do you think? Do you agree with that? I'm I'm curious. You know,
3: Christian. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I mean, and, and and like the most important thing is that the audience grew. I mean, it, you know, that it, it it they you know got a taste of it from you know checking out what Zayna put out there, but then mm-hmm. everything being marketed to. High school kids. We all grew, and then became college kids, and then we were college graduates, and the parties were still going, you know. So we just we we grew with the with the genre, you know. We 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 grew with it. Yeah. you know
5: and and we took it around the world too. A lot of us well, went yeah, away
3: made it, to different places of global. Yeah.
5: And and right. and of course the DJs also went to other right. places and that helped it spread. So all mm. of this culture was helped this it was what helped this thing to spread. Right.
2: Okay, I'm going to play another clip from this was Eric's interview. Do you remember when you did this Eric? i I think this was uh like 2013 christian would you say 2013 2014 (laughs) wow and and just tell me where were you when you recorded this on-camera interview do you remember
3: i'd have to see it because i you know
2: (laughs) well you were i can i i mean i remember what it was, she was sitting in a look what looked to me like a vacant lot. Oh,
3: yeah, really? absolutely. Yeah, yeah, your brother Jason actually uh, shot it. And she was sitting where uh, the downstairs pub and the spree used to sit. So it was, uh, we're in a, we're on the, we were on Shelby and learn on the corner is where it was. And, um, yeah, that's where she sat and was like, you know, this is, but I can't, was was that, yeah, I guess that was like, yeah, 2012, 13, something like that. It was a while back. Wow.
2: Right. We've been at this for a while. Uh, We've been working together for a while. I appreciate everybody's patience with this. I'm going to play this other clip, this second clip real quick.
4: Well, back then, you know, the main the main promotion was a flyer, and then we had what we called pluggers. And these pluggers, you could get discounts to get in. Or uh, the party got so so bad, we you know we would have people scalping our uh, free invites, free passes right. outside the club.
3: Okay. You know, so this is pre digital, so yeah. you know how did you go about making the flyers? Well,
4: you would have uh, graphic designers that would do a little typesetting and then, you know, give it to a printer or either make copies back then. But uh, the best way to get people to your party um, was to um, call them on the telephone, a personal invitation. Uh, back then, we would have other little groups, of uh, the boys, I would get a group of guys together maybe we would do birthday parties. Um, and, and some of those people that were in the different um, groups that we formed, um, kind of like a record company almost, um, they would do promotional parties to keep the interest going at the parties.
3: So how do you see the downstairs uh influence on Trey tech technology?
4: Well, people like... Uh, Derek May, they were always there because of the love of music. It really had to do with um, what Ken Collier brought to the table. Um, The the tempo that he played the music and his selection, um, it just entranced the crowd.
2: Collier, please for the people that don't know who are listening, somebody explain who Ken Collier is.
3: Ken mm. Collier is the, the, the godfather of the the DJs of, of Detroit. Ken Collier is just like what Frankie Knuckles is to Chicago. Mm. Um they were actually friends. Um <clears throat> but um yeah, he's he's Ken Collier is the, the godfather. I remember when he had a disco program on WCHB, and um, then later he had a progressive. It was called Progressive Music. He had a progressive radio program on WLBS. That was um, mm-hmm. oh man. I mean, ooh. I mean, it was he was he was he had people out here like Mojo had folks out, you know, getting you know next to the radio waiting for his spot to to come on and hear this progressive music that he was playing. It was like, unlike anything folks had heard at the time. Cause it was like, you know, this is after disco. And then he, you know, came with this, uh, a progressive radio program. That was, uh, that was, that was, uh, man, I, I, that was dope. One of the dopest things I'd ever heard as a kid, you know, um, no words, right, <laughs> right. no words, man. For for me, um, and, and, and you
0: know, Eric so eloquently put it, what Frankie Knuckles was to Chicago, yes. I mean, he, Ken Coyer, was to us in Detroit. And so I remember there was this club downtown. Um, it was called, and correct me if I'm wrong, at, 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 I forget what it was prior to, but it was called Rich and Famous. Oh, yeah. Right? And so, yeah. um, you know how everybody in the black community has play cl- play cousins, right? So I had this, this play cousin, <laughs> Jeffrey, Jeffrey Smith, and we went down there. I had my records in a crate and he convinced, I guess, the promoter and the guys at the door to let me in because at the time, you know, I was, I, you know, I was in high school, uh, and uh, so my late cousin, Jeffrey, he was so smooth, man. He got us in the door. And I remember looking up at that DJ booth and then finally walking into the. You walked up some steps into the DJ booth and I was just like, oh, my God. I just immediately became intimidated. And Ken Collier was the DJ, right? He hadn't arrived yet. So the promoters turned to me and they're like, look, you better rock this. You hear what I'm saying? If you if you whack, you're gonna have to get the hell up out of here. They're exact words. So I, I'm i nervous as hell. I started DJing, and then that good old uh progressive record, uh Martin Circus that my Uh-oh. daddy paid fifty dollars for. Uh I put on that turntable and started playing it and in walks Mr. Ken Coyer into the DJ booth. You talking about nervous. <laughs> so he, 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 you know, he's bobbing his head and he walks up to me and he's like, he's like, man, let me show you how to work this. <laughs> Get out the way, man. I stepped back. That brother was working that EQ, man. That was the first time I had ever experienced a DJ working in EQ
3: on a work in the box. Right. Working that box. box. Thank
0: you. And 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 I was just I was just so blown away, man. And 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 you know I know uh, people from my era that were DJs, you know, will, will probably say the same thing that man, when you were in the DJ booth with Ken Coyer, man, it was an experience. Mm -hmm. you know it was an experience and and in retrospect at the age that i am now i look at it as a blessing now you know to even have been in his presence man because Mm
2: -hmm. that brother
0: just he he did a lot for us uh in terms of the music scene
2: what does progressive mean i used to say it oh yeah i like progressive i didn't really know what i was talking about
5: so the question was what is progressive and i think that what the easiest way that i would describe it is it was post disco mm-hmm. m- it was a mix of you know tale house you know groups mm-hmm. like Kano groups like um John Roca. Mm-hmm. um it was a mixture of um post New Wave uh mm-hmm. electronic music mm-hmm. um yeah. you know yeah. where you'd get yes yeah, since yeah exactly or and electro mm-hmm. you know so you had a mix mm-hmm. of you know Hashim Nafish you know you had yeah. you know a mixture of um, you know, what, what New York is called B-Boy, you know, B-Boy yeah, Classics. Yeah, uh, that yeah. electro was also mixed. And and one of the things I would say wasn't Ken one of the first DJs to actually start you know blending and, and mixing oh, yeah. two turntables. He was among that's the first. I'm not gonna say he was that, the first. That's
3: right. that's what made his radio program so right. dope. Right. Nobody was doing that. Right. <laughs> right. You know, we, we talking, that's important. We're talking right. 19. Was it 1980 yet? 80, I think it's right, yeah. Was 1980, yeah. this yeah. on the radio, right. blending? Yeah. Right, yeah. letting two tracks ride? Right. Uh-uh.
5: right. <laughs> that blew our minds, you know, because yeah. that's where the artistry really, you're making a new song when you blend yeah. two tracks and let it yeah. ride for 10 minutes, you know? Yeah. That's a yeah. whole different song, you know? Yeah. So yeah. the artistry became that, and then you know, drum machines had to be used to start emulating that. To you know, loop sequencing loops. You know that that all came in. You know, reel to reel splicing, reel to reel live. You know, all of those things came into play. And guys like Ken started that whole, you know, way. Yeah. You know, when you start talking it,
1: about uh, when you talking about some of the splicing and the beat machines, though, bro, you're you're talking you're talking five to seven years from Ken. You oh know, yeah there's, like there's like a, there's like a period. period between let's just say 76 77 and um, 81. Yeah. you know just really that 81 81 is when you finally have uh, alleys of your mind you know 82 yeah. is um, planet rock. Yeah. <laughs> so Ken's period of um, kind of mentoring, and exposing young people to this music was, was a nice swath of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you
3: know? yeah.
5: That's good, that's important to say, I agree with you 100%, you know, he mentored, you know, he yeah. really, you know, he taught so many cats how to blend, you know, and he got that, and again, I'm not gonna say definitively he got that, but he saw that in Chicago. There were guys, you know, uh, Frankie Knuckles saw that Maybe in New York, maybe you know at, at the loft, you know, with Nikki Ciano and these guys, mm-hmm. and you know, So again, it moved, but again, they didn't blend at the loft. That was early, way early. So I think Chicago yeah. might have been the first time you know people saw that. But again, I don't know. What, what do you think? Well, my other his techno historians here. When do you think, yeah. guys? Yeah, I, where, where did they see it before that?
3: Yeah, I think Ken Collier would. I would. I would give him the father of that uh, that that blend and letting mm-hmm. letting tracks ride and. Um, you know, like I said, his his pupils, um Daryl Shannon and um uh Delano, Delano Smith, mm. even Al Esther, Al Esther was a pupil of um Ken Colliers too. Al Esther could yeah. he was a blend king, a blend master. Right. To let tracks ride, you know, um like that. Um another thing too is I actually went to high school with Ken's brother Greg. Mm. That's how I got to, you know, I got to, you know, know who he was through Greg. You know, Greg was a DJ, too. He played different style of music, though. But, yeah, that, that's how I, that, my introduction to Ken kai was through his brother, Greg. You know? All
1: right. All right. Two, two things. From my point of view, Nicky Siano and uh, what was happening with uh, Dave. Uh, is it Mercurio or, Marcus, what's his name? Mancuso, who who had walk? <laughs> Bro, I think they was way ahead of the curve when it came to uh, blending and mixing. Number one, mm-hmm. so Ken is post what was happening in New York. Uh, secondly, I think man, a lot of this Ken fandom, we kind of lose sight of Charles Hicks. And Charles Hicks, even though he might not be uh, known for progressive music or whatever, but dude, Charles Hicks, Hicks and company, they was there too. And when Zayna talks about the downstairs pub, she talks about Ken, but she also talks about Charles Hicks. To nice, so really, yeah. Ken and Charles Hicks were really the only two DJs that she booked. Ken allowed sure. other DJs to spin with him. That is where Daryl Shannon I mean, excuse me, that is where Delano Smith comes into the fore, as I understand it. Mm-hmm. But really, bro, Ken, Charles Hicks, Hicks and Company, mm-hmm. uh, Dwayne in the mix. I like, it's a lot of people that we kind of like roll over when we say, you know, Ken, when we just talk about Ken's greatness. But <laughs> no, not taking anything from Ken, but I just want to say, hey, Charles Hicks, I, I hear your name. I know your name, brother. I love you. Uh, you know I'm saying? Like Dwayne in the mix. I hear Dwayne your name. Dwayne Bradley, yep. Yeah,
3: yeah. Yep. We all, and then in, in the, in the mix. Shelf.
1: Yes, but let me just say, and then Stacy Hill. You know, yeah. we talk yeah. about women. We talk yes. about uh, yeah. what they brought to this. You know, yeah. Stacey Hale in uh, the early 80s. Hot Stacey hell. Hot hot wax. Wax. Yes. Yeah. Uh is just as pivotal. pivotal it's just as important. Right. Is these yeah. DJs that we mentioned, I just sometimes step back because Stacy's importance is great, but it also came, she she her peak came at a time where Kat started making records. Right. And I just sometimes look back and I'm curious why she never made a record in that moment. Shout out to Kelly Hand, who made records in those yeah.
3: moments.
1: And yeah. early hey, Kelly hey. Hann. K-Han, so salute to K-Han, but uh, who who also we've interviewed. And um, I have to say that some of her early history as it relates to uh, ghetto tech and ghetto, ghetto tech and kind of that sound is really where I see her kind of like evolving in this picture, mm-hmm. you know? So maybe uh, I might be wrong on that end, but uh, that's why I haven't necessarily included her into this story. But, you know, Stacy, uh, Zayna, they have definitely been two women who I, throughout making this film, I've tried to figure out how to keep in the story. Yeah, yeah. Stacy,
0: Stacy, definitely, man. I, I think for, for me uh, coming up, that was definitely mind blowing to see a young woman in the DJ booth because, you know, shit. At the time, it was all dudes, you know what yeah. I mean? And then here comes the sister. Who is just as good and in some cases and,
2: better? And, <laughs> and, and, yeah. and not only
1: that, <laughs> Stacy was fly. Right, right, no she doubt. Sure
0: was. She let's sure let's, was. let's be
3: she clear. Sure Laura <laughs> Bugatti oh glasses, right. silk blouses. Oh, pull like, pull that
0: picture up of her with them glasses on, man.
1: Really really hot. man bro. Yeah. Like, let's 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 be clear. Yeah, the really. spectacles, <laughs> and and she was on par with the dopest DJs in the city. So it was almost like Stacy Hale. Jeff Mills, Al Esther at Cheeks. You can add in John Collins. Yeah, forgive me yeah. for not. But I will say, when it was Stacey Hale, Al Esther, and, uh, you know, I guess John Collins was there, but I just remember it being Stacey Hale and Al Esther at Cheeks. That's because, you know, Brandy. I was an Al sycophant. That, yeah. Uh, yeah. That really, at that time, was, there was no DJ as big as Stacey in this time. Yeah. She didn't was.
5: she have a residency at the warehouse? Wasn't she yeah, at the warehouse I, yeah, for a while? Yeah, she did. And, and she did a radio
1: show for the, the warehouse.
5: Yeah. Yeah, she should. Sure yeah, did. Yeah, that was epic. You know, yeah. that was a time that really influenced us. You know, so yeah. I, I agree 150 percent. We can't sleep on the um, innovations that, you know, that, that a lot of women in Detroit, you know, actually led and kept alive, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we gotta give respect to all of those, you know. All Shout out guys. to
1: Chauncia, Chauncia's records. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Oh, like, bro, oh. It, oh, oh, shit, you're going it, back, Like, we, we can, uh, <laughs> like, bro, we can point to women who played a pivotal role in this mm-hmm. music. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, it, from the UR side, you know, you got Joy Santiago, you got Mike Banks' sister. I mean, it's, it's women in this sphere. You know, right? Yeah. So, uh, in me making the film early on, bro. I because of my connections with Juan and Derek and and uh, Eddie. You know, I, by the time I brought, I understood Stacy's position in this story. I was trying to keep her in the in the film. So sometimes it'd be like uh, it's almost like a Hollywood where if you got one black actress that's the actress and so for moments in making this film i had one woman in the film Mm
2: -hmm. that's the woman in the film
1: you know what i mean despite you know her stacy's legacy and zayna's legacy you know what i mean like zayna's their legacies are, are great yeah bro so that's that's how uh Zayna falls in and out of the story. That's how Stacy falls in and out of the story. And, then, you know, once we start really focusing in on this picture of the techno six, it's like, well, damn, they not in the techno six. You know, how do I, just my storytelling has had to evolve to figure out how to keep these stories, these pivotal stories that both Stacy and Zena possess inside of our narrative.
0: You know, is, 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 I mean, Let's be real, y'all. The 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 story of this time period is so rich. Hell, you go down w- one road and it leads to five or ten different other paths. You know, as it as it as it relates to this story, man, of Detroit techno and what people contributed. So I I know your your job isn't easy, man. But it's 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 a deep and rich story, and um, at the end of the day, it needs to be told. You know
3: absolutely that,
5: that's I, one of well, the reasons we have we created this podcast is to be able to highlight many of the people who may not make the final cut and so that allows christian to be the storyteller and to create the story arc that's going to make this a feature film and so yeah don't you know i interview so many I, you know got 100 hours of interviews everybody's not going to make it. So we don't want the people we love to be offended. We just have to let them know that, you know, you got to let the, you know, the, the director create the story and it's going to go where it goes. Everybody may not be included, but we're talking about as many as we can here.
3: Absolutely.
2: I also wanted to make mention that even if her voice has been on and off our timeline over these 10 years, what hasn't changed is her archive, right, Christian? She's had, she kept pictures from this time that we've been able to use in the film, whether her voice is on or off. And without those pictures, Christian, what would, what would that film, what would that part of the film look like?
1: like I mean, that part of the film would look like, uh, I guess we're talking heads. You know, the whole thing about making a a documentary film is that um, the pictures tell the story. So, without any of these archival pictures and this archival video, I mean, it's simply then an interview or a talking head. But we've stretched ourselves to be more. Better storytellers. So we we thank God Zana gave us those pictures because it allows us to really illustrate that time and period where this early dance music was evolving in Detroit.
2: Um, Reggie, your your interview, the question that you asked her um, on your interview last week was, you know, what what kind of advice would you give up and coming? I guess it was tastemakers in Detroit today. And what I really liked that she said was, she said, "You got to be good pe- to people."
0: Yes, definitely. She was like, you know, be be good to people, be honest, uh, be upfront, you know. And that's those are some things <laughs> that you, you know, don't hear uh, often, you know, entrepreneurs uh, saying.
2: Right. Oh, and here's that clip now. The thing about it is,
6: honesty is the best policy. In- um, you can't stand business if you don't treat people right. So I try to treat people right, and even though I said I was a yes person, and I try to say yes as much as I can, you know, it's, it's also about, you know, relationships. Right. You know, so I've been very fortunate to have. Uh, cultivated some some great relationships in the music business and the fashion business. I used to manage uh, Maurice Malone. Different generations. I guess I got four or five generations. Now right. um, you know I'm working with the people that are in their twenties that are uh, stylists. Nice. So you know I try to keep the door open and try to help where I can where you know it makes sense. Right. Right. You don't make money off of everything that you do, but I'd like to extend myself where I can. Right,
0: right, right.
6: You know, I think if you're honest with yourself and your customers, um, that's going to take you a long ways. I agree. And that's, that's really, you know, that do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You know, uh, that's kind of like my model. I'm in downtown Detroit because I wanted to be close to the water, the closer to the water, the the better. Live, work, and play in downtown Detroit. is another one of my uh, models. Um, so, you know, that's it. You gotta build those relationships with your financial people and uh, you know, be, be able to have those relationships where people know it's you when you call, you know. So.
0: For for me, I'm I'm just in awe uh, as far as how she has been able to still um, be around and be significant to um, you know the 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 entrepreneur and, 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 and small businesses, you know, of Detroit. I mean, man, you, you know, she outlasted the the JL Hudson building, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, you know, that within itself is, uh, is, is a huge, uh, feat. Uh, you know, at one point she was the only tenant in her building. And for those of you who are not familiar with the building that she's in, it is huge. Right uh when i went back to detroit uh, about what 3 or so years ago when we were uh, there yeah yeah we they were uh refurbishing the building and you know really making it look nice and um you know she has maintained man and um you know to me that's 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 impressive you know what i mean like my thing was you know what would you tell your your younger self and she was like hey Giannis, work hard. Uh, She said uh, relationships, having those relationships has been very key to uh, her success, you know, as well. So, yeah, it was it was it was an awesome interview.
1: Zaina and my uncle who Mm -hmm. just passed uh, Eli, uh, they was real good friends, right? Mm. he'd be telling me about Zayna he'd be like man I want you to meet Zayna but I was like bro I don't want to go why would I want to do that you know but he was like you gotta go on spectacles you gotta do this you gotta do that and then years later bro I'm one of her biggest fans yeah. you know yeah. and it, it it, like her Teresa Hill you know of course mm. Todd right. you know but it, it's a few people you know that I really just like how they've invested their lives into this, uh, music and they're still out here, uh, representing, you know what I mean? It's not like they're, uh, on the sidelines, like Zayna is still the conduit to Jeff Mills, you know, Mm -hmm. Zayna Zayna still has pop-ups where DJs, any number of DJs from whatever era are playing in her store, her support, of the dance music community in Detroit is uh, one of her, her greatest uh, gifts to us, you know? When you see that old picture of her in front of the record store, I wanna say it's from like the 60s or 70s, wow. it's like, wow, wow. Uh, to look at her now and think about how much she's given to the uh, overall like community and dance music community, it's mm-hmm. just, it's mind boggling, you know? Yes, indeed. My
5: history, but you know, got to give love to the women and the men who paved the way for uh, you know our our ancestors, you know, who uh, who made the music, (laughs) you know. Absolutely.
2: Thank you, Eric, for joining us. Team Reggie, Dave, Mm -hmm. ready, made it.
0: Well guys hope you enjoyed our fifth god said give them drum machines behind the scenes podcast make sure that you follow us please on spotify apple podcasts all the streaming platforms that deal with podcasts you can find us okay remember the film is out in summer 2021 we cannot wait for you to see it also, don't forget to head over to our website, God said, give Them Drum That's G S G E D M dot com forward slash shop. You can go to our website and check out our merch. We still got uh, some great sales uh, discounted prices for you. I have a new shirt that was sent to me that I'm excited about wearing this summer. So make sure you check out the new merch as well. Guys, we appreciate all of you for supporting our independent filmmaking journey. Just wanted to give a special shout out to uh, Tyler in Arizona, David in Wisconsin, Christian in Germany, Bobby in Illinois, Jordan in New York, Roosevelt in Michigan, Matthew in Illinois, Juan in Louisiana, David in Belfast. Guys, thank you so much for buying merch from our website also don't forget to check us out on soundcloud where you can listen to eddie folks that's dj eddie flashing folks our boy from detroit you can check out his uh, new year's mix on soundcloud and you know you can also head over to our youtube where you can uh, watch the uh, detroit sound project vault shout out to uh, ebm music team oliver addy and jonas also want to give a special shout out to uh output for supplying me uh, with those great sounds in order to score uh, the documentary God Said Give Them Drum Machines. Also, we want to give a big thanks to fusicology our girl, ozzie Shane and Amy. We appreciate you both. Stay updated with us on Facebook and Instagram at God Said Give Them Drum Machines. This month, we'll be sharing lots with you to celebrate Black History Month and honor some of the greats. Guys, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next month.